Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. It is page 748 on my Bible. I'm not sure what it is on yours. But Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. And we're, we're taking just a, a break, a brief break from our verse-by-verse study through the book of Colossians this morning um, for the sake of the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're beginning. And, and I want to take a, just a moment, a, a Sunday morning, and talk about why we're doing this and where it comes from. Why 21 days and, and why prayer and fasting and all of that. And, and it comes from this passage in Daniel chapter 10. And so uh, Daniel sought the Lord for 21 days, for three weeks. And we're going to see what God does when people seek him. If there's a promise in the Bible that says, if you seek me, you'll find me, if you seek me with all your heart. And so when you seek the Lord intentionally, saying, God, I want, I want whatever it is that you want from me, but I don't want to petition your throne, and I want to see you do uh, mighty things in my life. Uh, we want, God, for, for, for some reason, he has given us that weapon. And it's a weapon that we don't necessarily uh, probably engage in as much as we should. But we need to make it a priority in our lives, particularly as, as a body. And so when we come together, we start to petition the Lord and we call upon his name. We're going to see him move. And, and we're going to see why. We're going to see it illustrated through uh, this, uh, this passage this morning through a man named Daniel. Uh, it, it's going to be an incredible time for the next 21 days as we as a body come together in unity, and we're seeking the Lord. We're, we're seeking the Lord to do things in our own personal lives. We're seeking the Lord to, uh, you know, do a work and give us greater vision in our leadership. We're seeking the Lord to, uh, to begin to move even mightier than he is in our nation, in our, in our world. And so the way that it's broken up is the first week is, is more about, it, it's personal prayer time where the devotions are geared for you personally, to um, ask the Lord to, to, to maybe set you free from th- some things that you've been in bondage to, or maybe it's, you know, you praying for some unsafe family members or, you know, to, that God would set a fire in your own heart. These are the kinds of things for the, for the next seven days that we'll be focused on. And then uh, week two for the next seven days and week two is really focused on our congregation, on our body, and we're going to be praying that God will begin to move in the, in the hearts of our body and our leadership and all of that. We're going to pray for our local church here. And then uh, the following last week of the seven, uh, 21 days of prayer, we will be focused on our nation and we'll be focused on our world, also on Israel. And so though, though that's the way it's written. That's the way that it is um, it's, it's designed. It starts with you and your own heart. You know, it's great that we want to pray for the world, but we want God to impact us first. And as he begins to use us, then we, begin, then we can become a greater instrument for his glory. And so we're going to start with, with ourselves and ask God to, 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 to revive us, to awaken us, to fill us with his spirit, and to do an incredible work there. And then we will so on and so forth as I explain. Um, you're going to see in the first, first part of this uh, book, you're going to see that... Um, there's a little section at the bottom of, of page two that says um, what fasting, what kind of fasting is, and, and maybe some of you are not familiar with fasting, and so, um, you know, there's some different t- ways to fast. Uh, fasting is essentially setting apart something for the Lord. You're, you're giving up something, and you're saying, God, I'm going to give this up because I want more intimacy with you. I want to seek you more. You're bringing an offering before the Lord. And uh, there's different ways to do it, and there's no prescription for it. So, so listen, this is really up to you. I know there's been some confusion, like, hey, are you going to fast for 21 days? Absolutely not. I, I mean, I think I would, maybe one day I will, but that's not my plan. My plan is, you know, is to take a period of time here and, and set aside, you know, for my own personal way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to do a full fast, which is a liquid-only fast, um, uh, one day a week is my my plan. So, and then also maybe I'm going to do some other things. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do this. Don't get confused about what you're going to do. Just decide what you're going to do and then do it. And here's some different things. You can do a full fast, which is liquids only. You can see the scripture there where it kind of defines that. You can do a partial fast where maybe you just fast a meal or two meals or something like that. 
where you're setting aside that time. And, and the time that you set aside, you seek the Lord during that time. Uh, you're going to, if it's, you're going to skip lunch today and you're going to give that time to the Lord, then seek the Lord during your normal time that you would be eating. You just begin to seek the Lord in that. You can do what's called a Daniel fast, which is what we're going to look at this morning, which Daniel just set aside, you know, meat and wine and sweets or rich food. And he, he said, I'm not going to do any of that. He, he kind of just ate vegetables and, and nuts and things like that. And that was his offering to the Lord. Or you can do a combination of all of these types of things. Not only that, not only does it revolve around food, but also many people, when they fast, they fast from, uh, you know, electronics, TV, things like that, that take distractions away, you know, things that take your time. And when, again, the point is when you do it, that you intentionally seek the Lord during the time that you would do whatever it is that you were going to do. So if you have a TV program that you, um, you know, are, you know, you want to offer up to the Lord, then you seek the Lord during that time that you would watch it. You know, you say, Lord, this is my offering to you, whatever it is. So there is no prescription. You can do it however you want to do it. Just choose to do something and then do it and then seek the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to get into more why, why fasting is important here in a minute. But uh, so for the next 21 days, beginning today, we're going to just, em, em, just embark on this journey with the Lord in prayer and fasting. And then at the end, as I said, we'll come together and we will have a a time of sharing and a, just a, a worship night and, and seek the Lord. So I say that to tell you right now, beginning today as the Lord begins to move in your life, write those things down. Because as, as, as powerful as those things are, you know how our brains work? They forget powerful things a lot of times. We forget the, the, the power of what God has done in our life, and that's why we need constant reminders. Anybody else with me on that? So, so write it down. As impactful as it might be for you today, it may not be as impactful for you three weeks from now. So write it down and capture the heart of what God has done in your life in that moment or whatever it is, and then be prepared to share it with us. Listen, we need to be encouraged by what, I need to be encouraged by what God's doing in your life. You need to be encouraged by what God is doing in my life. And so, you know, make sure you write that down and then we'll come together and we will share those things. So it's all based on this passage in Daniel chapter 10, which I'm going to read for you now. Will you stand with me? And we're going to read Daniel chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 this morning. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true. It was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like burl. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them. And they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep, and my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees, on my hands and knees, and he said to, him, to me, O Daniel, great man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have sent to you, I have been sent to you, and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble, humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because 
of your words. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and for pinning this for us that we might see the great power that is available to us in prayer, that we can petition before your throne. Your word tells us because of Jesus we can come boldly. We can ask things that are unthinkable, really impossible, and we can believe you for them. And so will you teach us this morning, God, what it means to pray, what it means to fast. Will you help us, Lord? Will you set a spark in our heart for these next 21 days as we seek your face? And we ask you, Lord, to do mighty things in, the, in our midst. Lord, reveal yourself to us. Have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Throughout the Bible, there have been testimony after testimony after testimony of the impact of prayer in the life of the believer. Perhaps it immediately comes to your mind when you think of prayer, maybe Hannah comes to your mind. Hannah was a woman that was barren and she was troubled immensely. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 that Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And as the result of this prayer, this fervent prayer of Hannah, the Lord blesses her with a prophet named Samuel, perhaps one of the most powerful prophets to ever live. But not only that, not only did God answer her prayer for a son, but he also gave her an additional three sons and two daughters. This is testimony that, that God always does exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask or think. Perhaps you remember the prayer of Samson who was anointed with, with the Holy Spirit and had strength, and, and then it was stripped from him because he took it for granted. He was, he, he, he was bound by the Philistines, and he was in prison. They gorged his eyes out. And as they came together, 3,000 of the, the, the elite of, of the Philistines, as they had this feast, they said, let's bring out Samson, and let's, he can be our jester. We can poke fun of their God of his God, and we can poke fun of him. And so they brought him out, and Samson prays a prayer in, Ju in Judges chapter 16, verses 28 through 30. He says, O oh Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the middle of the pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed in his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. The point is this. Samson was not faithful, but God is faithful. God was faithful to hear his prayer. God was faithful to answer his prayer and continue to use him. Maybe it's, it's the prayer of the body of Christ when Peter was imprisoned. You remember in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made by God, to God, by the church. Peter had been arrested and imprisoned by King Agrippa, and the church began to pray, and you remember what happened. An angel showed up, showed Peter the way out the door, over to the very house where the people were praying and he shows up and a servant girl opens the door and says, oh my God, it's Peter's ghost. They were praying and God answered their prayer. What about Jairus? Remember his daughter was sick? And although Jesus was physically present during that time, he still petitioned Jesus. It's the exact same thing you and I are doing. 
He was just physically there. He petitioned the Lord and he said, will you come heal my daughter? And by the time Jesus got to where his daughter was, his daughter was dead. And all hope was lost, so he thought. Jairus said, if you'll just come and heal my daughter, she'll be healed. He did have faith. And Jesus said, step outside and watch me work. And not only does he heal her, but he raises her from the dead as a result of this petition. What about Moses? Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. The prayer of, O oh Lord, show me your glory. God, I want to see you in a greater light. Lord, will you reveal yourself to me? And of course, the Lord answers his prayer. You can't see me fully, Moses, but I will reveal my glory to you. Listen, this should give you faith. This is just, this is just a sample of testimony after testimony after testimony of, of people in the Bible who begin to seek the Lord. And we could go rounds here in this place today and just hear of testimony after testimony after testimony of what God has done in our lives. The point is this. The next 21 days, you come with expectation that God will do something great in your life. He will. Maybe you're here today and you feel barren like Hannah, Hannah did, was or, or weak like Samson or bound and imprisoned like Peter. Perhaps you need the Lord to raise one of your loved ones from the dead. Spiritually speaking. Or you just want to see a greater glimpse of the glory of God. That he might reveal himself to you in a new light. Listen, what you need to understand, whatever the prayer is, God hears you, and He will answer. We see it illustrated in this passage in the book of Daniel where Daniel seeks the Lord, and, and he, 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 he begins to bow down. And Daniel had a life of, of, of uh, you know, a life that was, you know, just saturated in prayer. He, he was a praying man. From the time that he was taken captive into Babylon, he faced, you know, uh, this bowing down to a statue, which he prayed through, and he was praying three times a day at that point, and the Lord delivered him from that. He also had to face up to some lions. Remember when he was cast into the lion's den, and Daniel, did, he just sought the Lord, and the Lord delivered him from that. And now he has some more trouble, and he knows where to go when he has trouble. He goes to the Lord, and he prays. And it tells us in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, that the Lord, from the moment Daniel set his heart towards God and he humbled himself and he, and he just set himself towards God, that God heard every word he prayed. You might be thinking this morning, oh, yeah, that's great, but, but that's Daniel. I mean, he's a pillar of the faith. That's not me. Oh, no, it is you. God does hear you. He hears the prayers of the brokenhearted. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. The Lord draws near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Here's the thing is it's not so much about your spiritual maturity. It's not so much about how much you know. It's all about the posture of your heart. If you seek the God, if you seek the Lord with, with, with the right posture and heart, and you come before him humbly, seeking his will to be done, you will see him move mightily in your life. That's why Daniel, Daniel uh, was able to watch God move in his life because he was centered on the Lord. And he prayed prayers of God's will in his life, but he petitioned God. He knew where to go when trouble come into his life. God hears the prayers of the righteous. Who are the righteous? The Bible tells us anybody who's in Christ is righteous. It's Christ's righteousness. It's that great exchange that happened on the cross that he took off your garments of sinfulness and he clothed you with the robe of righteousness. It was, not, it was Abraham's faith that, that accounted him to righteousness. It's your faith that accounts you as righteous. Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 26. But now the righteous of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. 
For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including the pillars of the faith in the Bible, and Daniel included here, and are justified by his grace, a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith that was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How are you made righteous? Through Jesus Christ. It's through the blood of Christ. And so that ought to bring James chapter 5, verse 16 to a new light for you this morning. That the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 1 Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Listen, if you are in Christ today, you have God's ear. You have his ear. You don't have to try and get favor with God. You already have favor with God. You have his ear. He hears you. He will answer you. He did this for Daniel. As we begin to consider the reason Daniel set out for prayer for 21 days, it, it, uh, it didn't just come to him. He just didn't think it was a great idea. There was a purpose. He had a problem. And so he knew that all problems were solvable by the Creator. And so Daniel began to seek the Lord, and, and God moved. The, the title of my message this morning is Unleashing Power Upon Our Problems. And that's what we see in Daniel chapter 10 is someone who understands how to access power from on high to deal with the problems that he has in his life. Listen, once a Christian truly understands this principle, and I mean, like really really engages in it and fully, you don't, you don't understand it until you're doing it, right? I mean, we, we can understand it from a theological standpoint, but the things that we really, really believe are the things that we do, right? So oftentimes we say we believe something, but we don't do it, so we really don't believe it, to be honest. If we were honest with ourselves, we might believe there's power in prayer, but it's in other people's lives, not in our own, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you have God's ear. There's power in your prayer. So what, what we're saying is for the next 21 days that you just receive that and that you begin to pray like that, like God hears me, that you are invoking the power of God in, the li in your life and the lives of, of the people around you in our nation and in our world. And we watch God do an incredible thing. He may not take your problem away, but he will show you his kingship in your problem. He will show you that he's in control and then he knows what he's doing. So if you will seek him, you will watch God align your heart with his, and you'll, you'll begin to see the power of God move in your life. And that's what I, what I hope for you and I hope for me as we go through this. Why was Daniel seeking the Lord? Here's the reason in verse, verses 1 and 2. It says that in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, it says Daniel was mourning for three weeks, and then he ate no delicacies and meat or wine entered his mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So why was Daniel fasting? What is this talking about? It's the third year of Cyrus. It's establishing a timeline for us. Previously, if you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, Daniel was reading the Scriptures. Daniel was seeking God, and he was seeking God through a prophet named Jeremiah. Jeremiah had been given a, um, a word from the Lord that the children of Israel would be taken captive for 70 years. And at the end of 70 years, God would allow the children of Israel to leave Babylon and go back to Jerusalem and begin to build up Jerusalem. And of course, we know, if you know anything about Bible prophecy... That as Daniel sought the scriptures and he understood the timing of the 70 years and then the Persians came over and they overtook the Babylonians and there was favor with, with the God of Israel and the Persian King Cyrus. And in the first year, somewhere along that line, 
uh, you know, perhaps we believe, many people believe that Daniel himself was the one that went to Cyrus and said, listen, there's a prophecy given that the, the captives of Israel should only be in this land for 70 years. And do you know in the first year of King Cyrus that he allowed Zerubbabel and Ezra and many of the other, um, uh, many other people during that time to go back. It was kind of the first exodus out of Babylon back to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild. So it was probably at the hand of Daniel. Why? Daniel took God's word literally. He was searching the scriptures. He saw that it said 70 years, and then he acted upon that. He said, I want to act upon the word of God. It's a principle. What you read in the Bible will happen. Perhaps God wants to use you to remind somebody else about that. And so here we find two years later, in the third year of King Cyrus, that, that Daniel now is, is, is there and he has a problem. He's looking at the captives who have become comfortable in the land of Babylon. I like how Ray Stedman says it. He says, the, the children of Israel went from sheep keepers to shopkeepers in Babylon. They had become totally comfortable living there. You know, they had the right to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem, and they weren't going. That bummed him out. Daniel had a heart for his country. He was taken as a boy out of Jerusalem and planted in another land. But he bloomed where he was planted. But he had a heart for Israel. He had a heart for Jerusalem. And so, what does he do with his problem? Sulk in his sorrows? He's like, man, the children of Israel aren't going back. They're too comfortable in this land. Nothing I can do about it. Does that not parallel where we are in our country today? Do we not see the comfort of our people in our land who once were seeking God with all their hearts and now have lost that that, that fervor for the Lord, the fervor for the Lord, I can't even speak. But anyway, listen, there's an illustration. This has happened over and over and over again. So the prescription is seeking the Lord. The prescription is seeking the Lord. Daniel, Daniel took his sorrows to the one place that he knew could do something about it. And so what does he do? He begins to uh, humble himself Literally for three weeks, he didn't anoint himself. You know what that means? He didn't take a bath for three weeks. Now, I'm a guy that likes to take a couple showers a day. I might have a problem with that. Daniel, for three weeks, humbled himself before the Lord. Not only did he say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek you. I don't even want to take time to take a shower. Like, I want to seek your face. But I'm going to set aside the, these distractions in my life. The delicacies of Babylon, these things that, that, that I have, you know, I, I've been, I enjoy, I'm going to set them aside and I'm going to uh, labor on behalf of my brothers and sisters, on behalf of my nation that I love so greatly. And I'm going to begin to petition you, God, to do a work. So he begins to pray and fast. He allowed his sorrow to become his fuel. And so he set out for 21 days. Why fasting? We get prayer. But why fasting? Why did Daniel fast? Daniel wanted to align his will with God's will. When we fast, we get all the distractions out of the way so that we can align our will with God's will, making, uh, listen, our prayers effective and powerful because they're according to his will. The Bible promises us that when we pray according to his will, it will happen. You know, we have not because we ask not, right? So part of it is us asking God. We're petitioning God. We're coming with boldness. We're saying, Lord, will you do this work in my life? Will you do this work in, my, in the life of my brother and my sister or whatever? With an expectation that God will do it. You're believing God to do it. But at the same token, you're saying, Lord, but not my will, your will be done. You know better, Lord. So I'm going to petition you and then I'm going to trust the result. I'm going to trust that you know better than me. And I'm going to pray uh, according to your will. Daniel is setting aside any kind of distractions. And he's saying, I'm going to give this up, Lord, that I might be aligned to you. Somebody said fasting, uh, the purpose for fasting should be, take, should be to take your eyes off of the things of this world to focus completely on God. 
Fasting is a way to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that we are serious about our relationship with Him. Fasting helps us gain a new perspective and a renewed reliance upon God. Listen, things of the world will crowd out things of the Lord. The more things of the world that you consume, the less you will focus on the Lord. The less of, of, of the Spirit of God will have control of your life. So you set aside those things that are maybe distractions in your life. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's your Instagram account. Maybe it's, you know, games. Maybe wh whatever it is. Maybe it's reading the newspaper. You're so involved in the things of this world that you're not thinking about the things to come. Whatever, whatever the distraction is, you set those things aside and you ask God to fill, him with, fill you with his will, with what he wants. John Piper said in his book, A Hunger for God, it's a book on fasting. He said, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. Like you just got enough of God, so you're good. It's not what it means. He says, it is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with small things. There's no room for the great. There's no room for the great. We fast for spiritual renewal and revival. We fast for greater insight and revelation. We fast for closer companionship and communion. Fasting reminds us of who God is, who we are, and what he's done. Fasting reminds us of, uh, uh, of the power that we have and the access we have to the Lord who, who can do anything, the Lord of the impossible. Daniel didn't wallow in his problems. He prayed and fasted. And he knew that he could unleash power from on high upon the hearts of the people. You know what I love about this? Is that Daniel didn't just start going out and preaching to other people. He started praying. He started fasting. He didn't go out and tell people what they're doing wrong. He just began to pray that God would stir the hearts of the people. God, will you do the work? Because if I do the work, it will not last. But if you do the work, it'll last. Isn't that the same thing that Gamaliel said to the religious leaders when they said, hey, we got to stifle this Jesus thing. We got to kill these disciples. We got to get them out of the way. And Gamaliel said this. He said, listen, if it's not of God, it'll stop. But if it is of God, who are you to stand in front of it? We want this to be of the Lord. We don't want to get in the way. So we petition the Lord. We ask him to align his will, our will with his will. And we say, Lord, your will be done. For the next 21 days, we unleash the power from on high upon our problems, upon our concerns, upon our requests. And then we, with great expectation, we wait on the Lord and allow him to do whatever it is that he sees fit to do. Look what happens to Daniel when he does this. He sets himself up and he sets himself over to the Lord. In verse 4, we see that he gains greater vision. So on the 24th day of the first month, he says, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked. And behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his li eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of the burnished bronze, and the sound of his wor words like the sound of many multitude. Daniel had a vision of the same person Ezekiel had a vision of, and this very same person that the Apostle John had a vision of on the island of Patmos. It was Jesus. Daniel saw the pre-incarnate Christ standing before him in all of his glory. This is what's called a Christophany in the Old Testament where Jesus reveals himself to somebody and it's a pre-incarnate, pre-fleshly, pre-appearing of Jesus before he comes as, as uh, he did in, through Mary. Here's the interesting thing that we see throughout the Old Testament that Jesus is appearing. He's revealing himself. Why does he do that? What was his promise to us before he left? Behold, I will be with you even 
to the end of the age. Jesus is letting Daniel know, I'm with you. I've been with you. I'm the one who was, who is, and who is to come. I am with you. Jesus is with you now. You know that. Jesus is God. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. And he's with you. He promised you that. He said, I will be with you. You're not facing anything that you're facing alone, folks. If you're in Christ, he's with you. And he's going to work through whatever situation that you are, you're, you're going through. He's with you right now. And as you seek him in prayer and fasting, you will have a greater vision of his presence. You will see him better than you ever have before. It may not be physically, but it could be. We can't say that it wouldn't be. We see that he has revealed himself to people. And so we don't limit God, but what we're saying is we seek the Lord and we will see what he will do. And maybe it's just a physical, we'll, we'll sense him in a, a more spiritual, uh, his presence in a more spiritual way. But man, the Apostle Paul saw Jesus just like, just like Daniel. As he, as he was on his way, he was arrested by the Lord. Oh, that we would be arrested by Jesus like that. Man, would we, that would really transform and change your life. But listen, it's better to live by faith than by sight. As the Lord reveals himself to you and you trust his presence in your life, listen, the Lord rewards that. It's greater because it requires more faith. You trust the Lord. He's with you. And he will be with you through everything. Daniel purposely sought out the Lord for help. And guess what? God showed up. He showed up. And you can expect him to do the same thing. This description, again, is, is, is not, it, it's similar to other descriptions. It's letting us know that Jesus is revealing himself continually. That he has never stopped revealing himself. He, he did it in the Old Testament. He's done it in the New Testament. He's doing it right now. And yes, he reveals himself through his word, but he also reveals himself to individuals on a daily basis. Our prayer is, oh Lord, that we would know you more, that we would know you more, and, and you unveil yourself to that, and you will see him in a different light. You will see him in a greater, you will, you will sense his presence, and you will see him with greater vision. Daniel had a clear vision of the pre-incarnate Christ, and as we seek him, we too will see Jesus as, uh, you know, in all his glory. We see him as the post-incarnate, the risen king. He saw him as the pre-incarnate, the one to come. We see him as, as the one who was and is and is to come. He's coming again. And we will get greater vision as we seek the Lord. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies of that, of how Jesus has revealed himself to you as you sought him. Look at the impact of Daniel in verse 7. It says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they hid them, and, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw the great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. What does that sound like? Doesn't it sound like Paul? What happened to him? Remember on the road to Damascus where the Lord revealed himself. Nobody else could see Jesus but Paul. But they knew he was there. They sensed him. And, and, and Daniel's the same way. They, the, these guys couldn't see what Daniel was seeing, but they sensed the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and, and their response is what? Great fear. Great fear. You know, there's something that we're missing in the church today. And it's called the fear of God. It's called the fear of God. We live in, in, in the age of grace. And God loves us, but listen, God is as holy as he has ever been. He is as serious about sin as he has ever been. And, and you know, he, he loves us and he wants us to walk with him and all of that, but, but don't forget who he is. Don't forget that he is a holy God and that there ought to be some serious reverence in our hearts before the Lord that there ought to be a little trembling when we think about being in fear. Every person 
that has ever had contact with the spiritual world has fell on their face in trembling. And we're talking angels who are simply a reflection of who God is. One day you will stand before God. You will stand before the magnificent one, the all whole, almighty holy one. And you will have a proper fear of God. Let that start now. You know, we, we need to come back to this idea that, that, you know, there needs to be a healthy fear of God in our lives, you know. As a parent, as a dad, I want my kids to know that I love them so much and that, you know, there, there's always grace for them in, the, in my life, but I also want them to know that there, you know, that, that, that there needs to be a healthy fear of that authority in, in their life. You know, and, and what happens when there's a proper fear? The Bible says it's the beginning of all wisdom. What is wisdom? Knowledge that's applied, right? And so our, our, our kids start to make decisions. They start using wisdom based on what? The fear of their parents, it's the same idea with the fear of God. We start living in a way that glorifies God, not because we have to, not because, you know, because we want to, because we start to begin to use wisdom, knowledge that's applied in our life, and, and we, we, uh, wanna, it, we know that it brings glory to the Lord. Where's the fear of God in our hearts today? I'm not saying that you don't have it. I'm just saying that I see it missing. And there's not a lot of reverence for God in this, in this culture, you know. And, and uh, we, were just, we were just watching something as the elders of the church here recently. Uh, Francis Chan had said, and, and he's talking about the church and, and what we've made the church. And, and, you know, in his estimation, we have made the church something evil, something evil. Because it's all about us, and it's not about the Lord. May we come back to that true heart of worship and have that proper fear of the Lord. When Daniel encountered the Lord, look at his response. He was undone. Just like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. Isaiah says, woe to me, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my ears have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for, me, for us? Then I said, Isaiah said this, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. It starts with the fear of God. And then it moves into the cleansing of the Lord into service of the Lord. And Daniel is the same way. He sees this great vision and it says, man, I had no strength left in me. I was undone. I was completely stripped. As we see God for who he is, you will respond the exact same way. And he's with you. And yet we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And so we're not fearing God in terms of we're, we're, we're afraid of the judgment of God. We're fearing God as a father, as, as, as a, you know, just as a holy father that we want to honor and we want to, you know, live our lives well for. Many people live like God is their grandfather. And there's no accountability to your grandfather. He's not the one that is the disciplinary in your life. What's the grandfather's role? To spoil the heck out of that little kid <laughs> and send him back home. <laughs> That's not, I'm kidding. But, but listen, God is your father, and there's a reason for that. It's a position. It's, there's an authority that comes with that father, fatherhood. Daniel understood that. It says he was weak in the moment, but man, when we are weak, we are strong. We come before the Lord and we recognize who we are before God. And then we are weak in that moment. Boy, are we strong. Listen, the enemy cannot strip you from anything when you recognize who you are before God, but what he's done for you. And we need to get ourselves to that place on a daily basis. 
yes, this is who I am. I'm, in a, I'm a work in progress, but Jesus' blood covers me, and he is enough for me. And I'm just going to keep doing my very, very best for you, God, on a daily basis. Daniel was undone. He was weak, but, but it, this, he positionally, he was strong, and uh, he got to see the glory of the only begotten. Continue. Look at the response here in verse 9. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand up, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoke, spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before for your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. <laughs> first, Daniel hears the words of God, the words of Jesus. There's a transition that happens here. I'll explain it in a second. But he's hearing the words of Jesus, and he falls asleep. That, that's kind of like the way church works today, isn't it? People hear the word, and they fall asleep. It's like, hey. Are you awake? No. The, the sleep that he fell into was more of like a trance like Peter in Acts chapter 10 when D Peter fell into a deep sleep or he fell into a trance and, and, and God unveiled something to Peter in that moment. He, he said, Peter, let me show you something about the Gentiles. And he said, and he used this big sheet and he had all these unclean animals on this sheet and, and Peter's, you know, standing all proud and righteous. I've never, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips and all of this. And, and the Lord tells Peter, listen, Peter, don't, don't call anything that I've made unclean. I want, I want the gospel to go to the Gentiles. And so God was breaking through this barrier, that, that this cultural barrier that existed between Jews and Gentiles because Jews were always supposed to be the light to the world. And they had taken the light and they had concealed it and hidden it. And they weren't giving it out like they should have. And so the Lord says, Peter, I need my church to break through the cultural barrier. And I need them to be the light to the world, to anybody and everybody. I need them to go to the highways and the byways. I need them to go to every single possible place, uh, you know, and, and share the gospel with somebody. And so it was, it was kind of a, a new moment for him. But, but as, as the Lord uh, began to speak to Daniel, there's a transition here, and it says, and behold, a hand touched me. It's not Jesus' hand. This is an angel now that shows up and begins to speak to Daniel. And it says that in the presence of this angel, he was trembling on his hands and knees. Again, the reflection of God, angelic being. And the Lord is wanting Daniel to know something. I love, the way this, I love the way that this transitions because first and foremost, in, in Daniel's trembling, in the presence of this angel, he's reminded immediately that he's greatly loved. Right away, God wants you to know, yes, you have failed greatly, but you are loved but you were so loved. And, and, and it's, it's something that God wants us to understand and, and something that, you know, many of us hear and we're like, yeah, I know that. Do you? Do you really know that? How much he really loves you? Like it's, you know, you, you got saved and now you're thinking like, well, yeah, now I'm worthy to be loved. No, he loved you at your worst. He loved you before you were lovable, before you were following him. He loved you in those decisions where you purposely said, I don't care. I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. He loved you with the same love that he loves you now, then. You are greatly loved. And then he says, I want you to understand the words that I speak. And so he lifts him up off the ground, and he stands him up on his feet. And still, Daniel is still, he's trembling and listen, he says, fear not, Daniel. He's trying to bring comfort to him in this moment. Yes, you are in the presence of the reflection of the glory of God, but listen, Daniel, 
What you need to understand is why I'm here. Why I'm here. From the moment, from the first day that you set your, work, your, your heart towards the Lord and you humbled yourself, God immediately responded to you. He immediately responded to you and he sent me. He sent an angel, a messenger. When you seek God, he immediately responds. And so oftentimes we miss his voice because we're looking for it in some other way. Maybe first and foremost, we just don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to hear what God has to say about our situation. But so oftentimes we're expecting something different. And God keeps sending his messengers to us. Keep revealing himself through his word. And it's maybe a person, could be the Holy Spirit, just simply his word in, in general. He starts to speak and you're like, yeah, but I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm looking for something else, Lord. The Lord wants to comfort you with the idea that he hears you and that he responds immediately. So be willing to receive whatever it is that he tells you. It's like God is telling Daniel in this moment when his heart is broken because he sees the comfort of the people of his land who aren't willing to follow the perfect will of God in their lives and go back to where they came from. That God says, listen, I hear you. I see the tears. I see the anguish. And I'm responding. And it says that I have become, I have come because of your words. Your words. I don't know what you are seeking the Lord for in these next 21 days. But here's what I do know, is that he hears you and he'll respond. You will move the God of the universe with your words, with your words. Not with my words, not with somebody else's words, but with your words. And what we have to do is come in this next 21 days with that kind of an expectation God, you will hear me. God, you will move in my life. Whatever the things that I'm petitioning for, God, I'm expecting that you're going to meet me. Why? Because it's modeled for us in the Scripture. We're not trying to orchestrate something that's not illustrated for us already. It's here. It's in the Bible. And God could have pinned a hundred different other things right here in Daniel chapter 10. Do you know that? He could have pinned a million different other illustrations of himself, but he pinned this one. And he pinned this one for a purpose. He wants you and I to know that there is some mystery in the seeking of God through prayer and fasting that he hears the voice of his kids and that he responds. And so when you walk away this morning and then for the next 20 days, you seek the Lord with that kind of expectation, Lord, I'm believing you and trusting you at your own word. I believe that you hear me. I believe that, you know, I, I'm setting myself aside. I want to be aligned to your will. I want whatever it is that you want, but I'm going to, <laughs> I am going to dare to ask of things of you that are impossible, and I'm going to believe you and trust you. I dare you to go to God like that. You know what? I double dog dare you to go to God like that. I dare you. Will you take this seriously for the next 20 days? Will you take it seriously? Will you? Every one of us in this room has more prayers that need to be prayed than we even have time to write down, folks. There are family members that you know that, you, you, you know, there are relationships that need to be restored. There are so many problems in our lives today that we could spend the next 30 years telling each other about them. But why don't we spend the next 21 days, the next 20 days, and, and let's seek the Lord. And let's ask him to do, do things in our lives that are impossible. 
And so as we close this morning, we're just going to take a moment and the very first devotion of, of this book, I'm just going to read for you real quick. It says, day one, surrender. The scripture, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's easy to say that we are surrendered to God, but how we live our lives tells the true story. If the storyline is wrought in a pursuit of temporal things, then reality is that we are not surrendered. But if our story is full of daring adventure, seeking nothing except the glory of God, then and only then can we say that we are truly surrendered. Jesus knew this well. He was sent for one purpose, to be a sacrifice. His perfect life would become the atonement for the sin of all mankind. Knowing this, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if, this, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew his fate, and yet, he, he, and yet regardless, he asked for the Father's will to be done. Are you fully surrendered to God's will for your life? Do the decisions you make on a daily basis suggest that? Take some time and reflect on whether you're truly living in a way that would declare to God, not as I will, but as you will. We can't say this apart from the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to deepen your commitment to his will. Pray that he will put a passion in your heart for his glory alone. Make a de declaration to him today that you are fully surrendering to him and you want nothing more than what he wants for you. Then proclaim the precious words of Isaiah, here am I, send me. I have, pinned in my, I have a pin in my pocket, and that pin is absolutely surrendered to the one work of writing. And that pin must be absolutely surrendered to my hand if I am able to write properly with it. If another holds it partly, I cannot write properly. Can God work his work every day and every hour unless you are entirely given up to him? God cannot. Andrew Murray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And we thank you for this illustration of, of what it means to seek you and to fast and pray, Lord. And we ask you now, Father, as we embark on this journey for the next 20 days, Lord, that you would, by the power of your spirit, Lord, deepen us in our faith, deepen us in our, in our intimacy with you, Father, that you would deepen our understanding of you. We thank you for Jesus and how he aligns us to you, God, how he brings us into right relationship with you. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit today that continually teaches us, empowers us, enlightens us, leads us, convicts us, directs us. And we ask, Lord, even right now, that, we, that you would just move in our hearts in this next 20 days. Lord, we surrender to you today. We ask for your will to be done. And so come, Lord, by the power of your spirit and have your way. And as we continue to pray this morning, if, if you're here and you're saying, hey, I'm on board, I want to surrender to God, and I want to give everything that I have in the next 20 days and surrender to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to pray over you. So if that's you this morning, you stand up to your feet and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to seek you with everything that I got and I want to see you move and I'm coming with great expectation and I'm expecting you, Lord, to, to do great things, but I'm also asking you to align my will with yours. Father, you see every person here. You see every heart, God. You see every situation and we're calling on the power from on high this morning to work in every person's life in miraculous ways, Lord. We want to come together at the end of this and just speak of the greatness of who you are, Lord. 
You don't owe us a thing, God. And yet there's something about when your people seek you with all their hearts that you show up in incredible ways. And so that's our expectation. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you now. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come and fall upon us. We ask you to lead us and direct us, Lord, and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.